Some believe the statue was built in the 5th century. Others believe it was built in the 13th century. Either way, the bronze statue of Peter in St. Peter's Basilica has been a tourist hotspot for centuries. When tourists and worshipers come to the statue, many of them kiss or rub the toes on the statue's right foot. So much so, the bronze toes have been worn away from centuries of adoration and a fair amount of curiosity. But there's never been a decree to worship this statue, but few people seem to be able to resist the temptation. Nebuchadnezzar's statue, however, it stood taller and loomed larger than this statue in Rome, and he did attach a life-or-death decree to worship. When his subjects heard the music, they were to bow their knees and worship. If they did not, they would be cast alive into a burning, fiery furnace. If all did not motivate them to worship this 90-feet-tall statue, surely fear would. But there were three, three Hebrew prisoners of war, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who believed in no other God but Jehovah and declared that he was the only one worthy of worship. This trio was not to bow to any statue, no matter how gold or how grand. So when they heard the music, they stood up and they stood out like a Pepsi can in a Coca-Cola truck. Nebuchadnezzar followed through on his threat to cast them alive into a burning fiery furnace. He knew they would be alive going in, but he never dreamed they would be alive coming out. But they were because they were not in the furnace alone. There was a fourth man in the fire. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, Bible students. I know you're probably expecting to hear the rich tenor voice of Jonathan McClintock, but our friend Jonathan has been hired at Urshan College in O'Fallon, Missouri, to be the dean of students. And so we are excited for him and for the chapter that God is opening up for him and his wife there at Urshan. So I have the honor and august responsibility to fill his shoes, and those are mighty big wingtips to fill. Jonathan and Angie McClintock, we love you and pray God's very best for you at Urshan College. My name is L.J. Harry. I serve as pastor of Apostolic Church in Mount Vernon, Ohio, and now privileged to be the field editor for Adult Word of Flame, God's Word for Life curriculum. And for those of you who are longtime listeners or even first-time listeners, this is a reminder or first-time notice that this is a companion podcast, and that means you are welcome to follow along in your student manual or student guide and follow through the lesson I'm going to share with you here today. It's going to be in the summer 2021, July 4th, 2021. It'll be Lesson 5. And our lesson text comes out of the book of Daniel, chapter 3, verses 14 to 25. It tells the awesome story of three Hebrew children who would not bow to the image, but would only bow to the one true living God. Verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if you be ready, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, which happens to be a trombone, but there's that word, sultry and dulcimer and all kinds of music. You fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. 
and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, and the furnace exceeding hot, the flames of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in case we forgot their names, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, and he rose up in haste, and spake, and said unto his counselors, Mm, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Now to give a little background, Nebuchadnezzar, he's one of the most interesting rulers of the ancient world. His empire stretched from Cilicia in the north to Egypt and Arabia in the south. He ruled Babylonia as an absolute ruthless monarch, his orders immediately implemented, and no one dared question or stand up to him until now. And interestingly enough, in Jeremiah 27, the Lord refers to Nebuchadnezzar as his servant. But understand today's lesson, and to understand exactly what happened and why, we have to understand the events that lead up to this life-threatening situation. Nebuchadnezzar had had a dream. It stole his sleep. He could not remember what his dream was about. So when his wise men could only offer a shy shoulder shrug, they couldn't tell him the dream, nor could they tell him his interpretation. He ordered all of them to be killed. The palace guards came to execute Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel pleaded for some more time to pray and seek God. And in prayer, God revealed the dream to Daniel. Daniel told the king, you might want to sit down for this one. This is a big dream. Daniel told the king how he dreamed of a statue, head made of gold, chest and arms of silver, the middle and thighs of brass, the legs of iron, feet a mixture of iron and clay. And in the dream, the king looked at the image and he saw a rock smash the feet of clay and iron and then grew into a great mountain. And Daniel explained that God had given Nebuchadnezzar a glimpse into the future. Each level of the statue represented future kingdoms and governments who would come into power later. Then Daniel explained how one we know as Jesus was going to come into power and his kingdom would never end. When Nebuchadnezzar heard that, remembered that dream, it inspired him to build a golden statue that stood 60 cubits, nearly 90 feet tall. Now the Bible doesn't describe the image other than to give the height and width, so most assume it was a statue of Nebuchadnezzar, but it could have been something else. But he placed that golden image in the province of Babylon and he assembled all of the leaders, satraps, governors, prefects, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, anybody who was anybody. He brought them together. And when Nebuchadnezzar struck up the band, everybody was to bow to this image. Everyone knew if they stood when they should bow, they would die. Now let me ask you this. What do you think Nebuchadnezzar's motive was for crafting this image? Obviously we can't know somebody else's motive, but What do you think might have been the why for him building this image? Could it have been pride? Could it have been an attempt to stave off this kingdom that would come after his to try to keep that kingdom at bay and allow his kingdom to be forever? 
Who knows? Just something to think about. Nebuchadnezzar had a cruel way of punishing those who wouldn't listen to him. The scripture calls it a fiery furnace. A furnace that was manually heated because the king ordered it to be made seven times hotter. So there was a thermostat and the king commanded his men to crank it up seven times hotter. The furnace was huge, huge enough for men to stand up and walk around in. And it was certainly large enough for him to stand up and look into to see what was happening inside. If you're like me and you read this story, you are awed. I'm awed at the devotion, the dedication, the commitment to God these three Hebrew boys had that they would not bow. And now I've not been tempted in all of my life to bow to a 90 feet tall statue, but we do deal with idols. The world has idols for us to bow to. Pressures Christians to bow to modern morals of a permissive and a tolerant society where biblical teachings of righteousness and separation are labeled as bigoted and hatred and intolerance and outdated and even hate speech. Satan tries to deceive us in accepting the gods of this age, but we must not bow. We must be kind. We must speak the truth in love, but we must not bow. Now, what are some of the other gods people worship? Perhaps celebrity, fame, money, success, athletes, actors, actresses. There are certainly other gods, and doubtless people worship themselves. People worship relationships. They may even worship material things like cars or houses or boats. There are other gods that are not gold and 90 feet tall that we must be careful not to worship. In fact, if we worship anything above or beside God, it has become an idol. Back to our three friends. The band did play, and all the people began to worship, with the exception of our three. We know the three Hebrew children did not bow, but they weren't the only Hebrews. There was our friend Daniel. We read in Daniel chapter 6 that Daniel would not bow by refusing to pray to his God, and he was cast into a den of lions. So had he been there, I certainly believe, and many scholars believe, he would have stood right beside his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So some do suggest that he was on a diplomatic errand and was not there at the statue. After the music stopped, some of the Chaldean tattletales ran quickly to King Nebuchadnezzar, and they tattled on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, there are certain Jews you've said over the fairs of the province of Babylon. They are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, they've, they've not regarded you. They're not serving your gods. They don't worship the golden image you've set up. So the king was enraged, and he commanded that they would bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in front of him. He talked to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He told them, maybe you didn't hear the penalty. Maybe you didn't hear the command. Maybe you didn't hear the music. I'm going to give you a second chance. If you worship the image when you hear the music, you live. If you don't, you die. It's really simple. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, our three Hebrew friends, they responded, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. The level of their devotion to lay their lives on the line is amazing to me. But that devotion was not born in a moment. It was built over years and years of devotion and dedication to God. Their life dedicated to serving God, causing them to worship Him. It's the same consecration they made while they were headed to Babylon. Without a doubt, they could hear, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. That was their spiritual DNA. 
It's one of our classic Bible stories we hear when we're children, the story of the three Hebrew children and the fiery furnace. It's inspired generation after generation of Christians to stand strong in the face of temptation. Regardless of temptation that might try to trip us up, we must follow the example of these three Hebrew men and remain resolute and determined to live for God. These three were very well acquainted with Nebuchadnezzar's temper. They were acquainted with how evil and wicked and maniacal and cruel he has been. They've been trained in Babylon. They've served as officials. They've seen, they've had front row seats to witness his cruelty. They were very aware that no one has ever stood up to Nebuchadnezzar and lived to tell about it. But they still said, our God can, but even if he doesn't, we won't bow. The power of this story is that they took a stand, not knowing the outcome. They knew God could deliver them. God could send a storm and put out the fire. God could strike Nebuchadnezzar with a lightning bolt. God could teleport the men to a safe place. God could even freeze over the flames and allow them to ice skate in the furnace. He could level the city with an earthquake. He could do anything. They knew he could. They just didn't know if he would. But they told the king, we still won't bow. If it costs us our life, we're not letting go of our faith. How about you? Have you ever faced a situation in life, a dilemma, where you really didn't have a good option? If you bow, obviously you put your faith on the line. But if you stand, you put your life on the line. Maybe a time you're facing bankruptcy or a terminal illness. Maybe the time you had a sweet assurance from God that everything would be all right. You just didn't know how God would bring it to pass. Did you think of different ways God would move? Did you think maybe you could give God a few tips, pointers, ideas, some little story starters that could help write your story and and write the end of it better than the middle? Maybe you're behind on your bills and you think, you know what, I bet my half-backslidden brother's going to give me a winning lottery ticket or that second x-ray is going to show that the cancer is gone. Or the FDA is going to approve a new wonder drug for the illness. Or my nephew, who knew, is a perfect match to donate a kidney. We come up with all kinds of ideas and ways God is going to do it. But we're not God. He is. And his ways are higher than ours. God will always answer our prayers, just not always like we like. He will come through. And we have to trust him, even if we don't understand or agree with him. I want you to think about this. Maybe even write it down in a journal. How has God come through for you in the past? In maybe an unexpected way. And when he did that, what did you learn about faith? Did you learn that faith is not always believing God will do what we want, but believing God will do what is right? We're going to face situations like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced. Nope, probably not furnaces, probably not 90 feet tall statues, but temptation. Though our temptation looks different, our resolve must be the same. We must have the same faith as they had that says, I know God can, but even if he doesn't, we will still devote ourselves to God. They answered Nebuchadnezzar immediately. They didn't have to think about it because they determined years before we're not bowing to Babylon, not to an image, not to a king, not to anybody. We only bow to God. So Nebuchadnezzar immediately carried out the command. He had this These three Hebrews bound and thrown into the fire. And the fire was so hot, it killed the soldiers on contact who threw them in. When they threw them into the furnace, they fell. The king saw that before. In fact, he saw that every time. But they got back up, and he never saw that before. And they walked around. 
And he was astonished. And he looked around at his advisors, his counselors, his wise men, and said, Wait a minute. Didn't we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And head nods all around. And he answered and said, Whoa, I, I see four men, and they're loose, and they're walking in the midst of the fire. They have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Nebuchadnezzar was absolutely astonished. He walked to the mouth of the burning, fiery furnace, and he spoke and probably even questioned his sanity at this point, what he was seeing and what he was saying. He called out to these three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in the furnace and talked to them and told them it was time to leave the furnace and come outside. Almost like a parent trying to get a child off the playground, off of the swings. Okay, guys, come on, let's go. It's time to go. Come on. He coaxed them out of the furnace. They came out of the furnace. Everyone saw, princes, governors, captains, kings, counselors, everybody saw the, the fire had no power over them. Not even a hair on their head was singed. Their coats and clothes didn't even smell like smoke. And Nebuchadnezzar realized there is a God greater than him. And Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. They've changed the king's word. They've yielded their bodies. They laid their lives on the line that they might not serve any other God except their God. And then Nebuchadnezzar made a remarkable decree that every people, nation, and language who speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, their house made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. It is an amazing ending to a harrowing beginning. But God honored Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or as I prefer to call them, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He honored their consecration, their dedication, even their willingness to die for their convictions that there is no other God to whom we bow. And God came through. Jerry Bridges wrote a book called In Trusting God Even When Life Hurts, and He states, in the arena of adversity, the scriptures teach us essential truths about God, truths we must believe if we are to trust him in adversity. Firstly, God is completely sovereign. He does what he wants and knows what is right. God is infinite in wisdom. He will always do and know what is right. And God is perfect in love. Even when God has to judge, he judges because he loves us. Scripture tells us he chastens those he loves. Somebody expressed these truths in this way, and I quote, God in his love always wills what is best for us. In his wisdom, he always knows what is best. And in his sovereignty, he has the power to do what is best for us. We're wrapping up our lesson and hopefully internalizing it, applying it, making it something we can live out day to day. We have to understand God's love for us is total. It's complete. He cannot love us any more than he already does. And had he allowed Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah to die in the furnace, it would not have meant he did not love them because there were some all through the Old Testament, and we read about them in the book of Hebrews. He did not deliver. Some were killed by the sword. Some were sawn asunder. Some were stoned. Some were shipwrecked. And yet others he did deliver, like Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, like Daniel. But whether he delivers us or he doesn't, it doesn't mean he loves us or he doesn't. He loves us. His love is based on his nature, not what we've done, not what we've not done. He loves us. He's wise. He sees the end from the beginning. When he allows us to go through troubles and trials, it's to help us grow, help us to become more like him, even sometimes to help us trust him. God's omnipotent. 
He has the power to do anything he chooses. He's sovereign. No matter what happens, God is in control of everything. The next time you feel tempted or are tempted to bow when you should stand, think back to our three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Think back to their resolve. God can, God will, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow to any God but our God. May we be blessed to have the same testimony. Would you join me in prayer right now? And let's ask the Lord to help us to have that kind of resolve and commitment and consecration to him, to bow only to him. Lord, I love you. Thank you so much for the story you placed in the Bible for our benefit, for us to learn how we ought to respond when we are tempted. I do pray today, God, help every one of us this week, especially anytime we are tempted to bow or worship anyone or anything beside you, help us to stand, help us to stand resolute, help us to stand committed, help us to worship only you, to have no other gods above or before you. We love you. We bless you. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Help us to live as you would have us to live. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning into the God's Word for Life podcast. I'm looking forward to walking along this journey with you as we continue to walk through God's Word for Life. And I would tell you, we have some very exciting things coming up very soon. We're getting ready to roll out the God's Word for Life new curriculum, and it's beautiful, full color. You can see a sample of it at godswordforlife.faith. You'll love to be able to use it, share it, and grow in God through it. Next week, we're going to continue in the summer 2021 series, and we're going to take a look at Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah's friend Daniel in the famed story, Daniel in the Den of Lions. That's next week. The lesson is dated July 11th, 2021, and it's titled Faithful at All Times. So I'm looking forward to walking through this journey with you as we walk through God's Word for Life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.